Let's begin with prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. We come against the enemy and we rebuke him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The enemy has no authority, but Christ, you have all authority. And we pray, Lord, that you would open eyes and ears to your wonderful good news. Lord, we pray for this town, for people who are lost in sin or false teaching or ideology or addiction or whatever it may be. I pray, Lord, in their sin that they would seek you and find forgiveness in you. They would repent. They would be ready to receive the words of God or the words of Christ and know that Jesus loves them. And I pray, Lord, you would do a work in us that we would speak the gospel as clearly and as much as possible as we can. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what are the most important questions that humanity is asking, and why are they asking these questions? So I looked it up. You know, it's a nice thing about Google, right? You can just type stuff in. There it is. And uh, and I came across this article called The 20 Big Questions About the Future of Humanity. It was from the Scientific American Magazine, which is a well-known science magazine. And here are some of the questions that leading scientists have raised. Number one, does human? I'm not going to do all 20, but a few of them. Does humanity have a future beyond Earth? Heaven? What about that? I don't think that was their answer. Will we ever find extraterrestrial life? Will we ever understand the nature of consciousness? Will brain science change criminal law? I know the cross can. <laughs> what is the chance of Homo sapiens? What, are, what is the chance Homo sapiens will survive for the next five hundred years? Could we one day replace all of the tissue in the human body through engineering? Will we ever discover a twin Earth? There, are, you know, there are other questions that were there that were included uh, that the scientists asked in this article. But you know, as I read through those questions, what is lacking is there is no mention. What is God up to? What might matter to Him? What might be of importance to God? God is the creator of heaven and earth, and since he's the creator of heaven and earth, it would behoove us us to make certain that we're aware of what he's up to and what matters to him. He is the sovereign one. He is the Lord God. He is faithful. He has shown us through his son the way, the truth, and the life. It is said of Christ in Ephesians chapter 1, he is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness who fills all in all you catch that who is christ he is far above anything any authority any principality, dominion on this earth or in this universe. There is no one greater. And these verses alone tell us the most important question we need to be asking is how can we make sure Christ is revealed, his message made known, and how we can exalt him every day? Because he's far above all things. You know, when Christ was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, I imagine it was a very awe-inspiring moment. It was a profound moment. It would have been amazing to have been part of that. 
Well, the three disciples were greatly afraid, and then a cloud came over and overshadowed this group of three, and well, Christ being there as well. And it probably this, this cloud compounded their fear. And then to top it off, a voice boomed through the cloud. And what did this voice say? This is my beloved son. Hear him. This is my beloved son. Hear him. You know, a lot of times people ask, I wish God would shout from the heavens what I need to do. Well, he did. <laughs> Listen to Christ. Listen to Christ. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's saying. If God has done that, and this is what he's saying, listen to my beloved son. Pay attention to him. Pay attention to his words. Another important question we should be asking is, how can we live out what Christ has said and commanded? You know, science is a very important subject to study. And it's very important in terms of understanding God's creation and what he has created. When a scientist examines life, the patterns of weather, the migrations of animals, the makeup of the human body, the depths of the atom, the power of nature, I believe they're doing good work. They're explaining the creative brilliance of who God is. When you unpack nature and life and you see... how it works, it brings you to your knees and say, God, you're awesome. Look at what you did. It is to, science is to exalt God for who he is because it's in God in whom we live, move, and breathe. He is the source of our lives. He's the hope of our humanity. He is the one who has saved us, will save us. He's the one who will and has overcome our greatest enemy. Our greatest enemy is death. Christ is our priority. Our greatest need is him. I want you to know today, Christ is your priority. Live each day knowing that Christ is Lord, that he is your priority. Let the prayer of John the Baptist be our prayer. He must increase, I must decrease. He must increase, I must decrease. More of him, less of me. Let his name be exalted. He is Lord of heaven and earth. What can my name do? Nothing. What can his name do? Oh, so much. Christ is your priority for God is the creator and he is to be made known throughout the world. It was his name that Peter used to heal the lame man in Acts 3. It was his name that Paul declared to the Gentiles and he planted churches throughout the the Roman Empire. It was his name. And it's his name that saves and transforms and heals and forgives. It's his name. In Philippians, we read this powerful and beautiful passage. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being made in the very form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, And coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, and those on the earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. What a beautiful passage. 
how Christ, who is God, (laughs) never walked around saying, I'm God, bow. No, he became a slave, a servant, and walked among us. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess, Jesus Christ, you are Lord. You are Lord forever and ever and ever. Your reign will never end. You are worthy, O Lord, our God. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Christ is Lord. Number one, Christ is your righteousness. Let's take a look at chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, that man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scriptures say, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah, so I read a little extra. <laughs> well, to live well, to make good decisions to go in the right direction, to know how to treat one another, look to God. To deal with the hurts, traumas, pains, unforgiveness, and bitterness, look to God. Look to his word. Pay attention to what he has said. To help the world. To bring life where there is death. Healing where there is sickness. Love where there is hate. Joy where there is despair. Preach Christ. If the government decides to do, decides to make what we do illegal, if the forces of humanity work tirelessly to stop what God is about, preach Christ. Where, the, where there is chaos, where there's unbelief, where there's tension, where there's conflict and upheaval, preach Christ. Let his name ring out and his word made known. Regardless of what the enemy may throw at us, preach Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul wanted the name of Jesus made known. He knew the beauty of his name and the power of the gospel. He saw people's lives changed. He saw sinners saved. He saw a dead man come back to life. He saw the depressed filled with the joy of God. He saw the hurting healed and the rejected come home. If only all people could know the beauty of his name. As Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, Romans, 
He described the details of the gospel and where it leads. It leads to God's love where nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, as he's writing the gospel, where does the gospel lead us? Where does it always take us? To the love of God. The love of God that cannot, we cannot be separated from the love of God. And as he's writing that, as he's thinking about that, he's thinking in the back of his mind about the Jewish people and go, did God abandon his people? He then showed that God never abandoned his people, even though throughout their history, they may have repeatedly abandoned him. Paul knew God is faithful, even when we are not. When Paul found Christ and he bowed before him, love poured into his heart. When that love abounded in him, he felt the weight of lost people. He saw the lost, and it was the burden he bore. He saw the churches he planted, and they were on his mind and heart. He did not desire revenge on people. He wanted transformation of people. In verse, uh, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. He saw the zeal in the hearts of his own people. When he, what he was seeing was religion. He was, seeing, he was watching duty, obligation, and ought-to living. He saw people striving for something they could never attain, reaching for what was out of the reach. What is the most important thing we can pursue? Christ. What is, what, what is it what we need rather, or what is it that we need the most? Christ. In all that we do as humans, and we have done many things well, we have built, created, inspired, we've helped, encouraged, and blessed, but the one thing that has hindered us is the one thing we need the most, righteousness. What is righteousness? Right living. More specifically, it's right standing before God. Right standing before our faithful creator. Right standing so we can be received into his presence. The most important pursuit is our relationship with our creator. To be in good standing with him. And where will I go to get this righteousness? What practices do I need to do? What lifestyle choices must I make? What actions am I going to get so that I can have right relationship with God? Do I travel to the highest mountain do i dig down to the very depths of the earth do i go all do i give away all my wealth do i sacrifice my body to the flames will righteousness ever be attained by me no only in christ can righteousness ever be given paul saw his own people striving for righteousness when christ has all that you need Christ is the end of the law. He's the fulfillment of the law. He's the completion of the law. If you have Christ in you, you have fulfilled the law. If you want the one thing, the most important thing we lack, go to Christ. And Christ desires for you to have his righteousness. Number one, Christ is not far away. The one thing we so desperately need is not far away. I don't get in a spaceship and travel light years away to see righteousness. Christ is not far away. We do not have to ascend to heaven to get him. For he came to earth. 
We don't have to go to the dead to find him because he's risen from the dead. We could do nothing to bring Christ into the world, the virgin birth, and we could nothing we could do nothing to bring him back from the dead, the resurrection. We could do nothing to bring righteousness to us, but instead Christ is available by confessing with our mouths and believing in our hearts. That is how close you are to receiving his righteousness, confessing and believing. A lot of people kind of spot, and I'm like, wait, wait, what? Is that close? It's that close. Confessing and believing. You're putting your faith in the one who loves you so. When you speak the name of Christ and confess in your heart, you're declaring who Christ is and what he did. I confess Christ is my Lord and I believe in my heart God raised him from the dead. When God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke. And what happened? The universe took shape. The galaxies formed and the suns developed. He spoke and his words have power. And those words became. When we confess, we are not creating truth or creating something that wasn't there like God did with creation, but whether we are declaring the truth that God has spoken. We use our words to affirm what we have originally denied. We affirm what God has made known to us. We use our words to speak into this sin-filled and chaos-mixing evil age, the truth it so desperately is trying to shut out, but what so desperately needs. Instead, by declaring we oppose the evil of this evil age and we bring hope where there's no hope, life where there is death. So declare and believe to the uttermost, Christ, you are Lord. You have risen. Christ, you are my salvation. You are simply declaring the truth. When God hears our cries, he saves, he transforms, he heals. He looks deeply into your soul and declares you are righteous. Just like the creation event, his word becomes reality and you are righteous. That's why Christ is your priority. That's why he is Lord. Number two, Christ is your message. Let's look at verse 11. For the scriptures say, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring the glad tidings of good things. But there have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Beautiful words. Hearing by the word of God. When you come to Christ, he calls you righteous, holy, forgiven, loved, and his very own. You belong to him. In 1 Peter, which was read earlier, it reminds us, uh, it says, but you are a chosen generation. I know, Ethan, you like this verse, one of your favorites. 
You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's love that last part there. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He rescued you. He saved you. He snatched you out of darkness. You belong to the Lord God. You are his own special people. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You belong to God. When he saved you, he called you. And whenever, whatever you were called to do before, whatever your will was, whatever your desires you saw, they all died when you came to Christ. Now you have a different calling, a different will, and a different desire. We read in uh, Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord. And what? And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Our desires will now match what God's desires are. Because my human desires, apart from God, are selfish. Okay? But when Christ comes in, he changes my heart. He changes my desires. And they need to be changed, trust me. When God saves you, he floods your heart with his love. His love just pours through you. His love will flow through you. You will know that you are loved and you will just love others. You'll have this love within you. Your heart will burst forth with joy and praise. And you'll say, God, you're holy. You're awesome. He does love you. Don't deny it. In fact, affirm it every day. Say, Lord, I praise you that you love me because you've proven it so clearly and so truly. Paul knew that when you confess with your mouth and believed in your heart, you will be saved. What does this word saved mean? It means you're now in right standing with God. God has made you acceptable to him through Christ. You can stand in his presence. Trust me, you will not want to stand in the presence of God with sin in your heart. That would be a horrible thing to go through. When you believe, you will not be put to shame. Isn't that beautiful? He says... uh, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. You'll not be put to shame. And let me tell you, we have shame in our hearts. We hide it. We protect it. We cover it. Say, don't ever look. God, take it. When you believe, you will not be put to shame. He will take all the shame you have. He will take it. The shame will go. He'll redefine redefine your life to match the love he has for you. He says, that was you before. That's not you today. All that you did and all that others have done to you, Christ will work to remove the shame, the hurt, and the pain. His love will work through your heart and free you from whatever purpose or identity others have placed upon you. As you walk through life, you may say, this is what the world has identified me as. This is what others have identified me as. What has God said? What has God identified you as? That's everything. His love will work through your heart and free you from whatever purpose or identity others have placed on you. You're saved, not rejected. You're loved, not cast aside. Because God wants you to call on him. And when you do, he hears you. He saves you. He loves you. He fills you with his love. He's doing it now. Just receive it. The enemy loves to remind you. Remember how bad all those things you said, all those things you did, all those things that happened to you. How could God love you? That's a lie. That's all he has is a lie. And then when he reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. <laughs>
Now that you know his love, don't you desire for many more to know his love? He is calling you to serve to bring the word. Bring his name to those who are lost so you can, they can confess his name. God is calling you to be the voice to, so those who have not believed can believe. Those who have not heard can now hear. How is faith made available as we read here? When those who are sent to preach the word. Those who are sent to preach the word. We are called to be sent to preach the word. God wants to use you and me to preach the word. You don't have to stand in a pulpit and preach the word. You can talk, have a conversation with others. He is calling us to do that because he says, how can they hear? Number one, you're called to serve. You're called to know the word and speak it. You're called to live the word. You're called to love. Christ said of himself these wonderful words, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That just, every time I read that, blows my mind. The creator of heaven and earth came to earth to serve you and me. (laughs) The creator of the heaven and earth came here to love me, to serve me, and as he served, he loves me. I, and now as, I, as he has come into my life, he's come into your life, his love flows through us. And we say, how can I serve? Paul called those who served beautiful feet to have beautiful feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. May you all have beautiful feet, bringing good news, welcomed into homes and lives so many can hear the beautiful words of life. You're called to serve by bringing the word to lost and dying world. You're called to serve to bring the word to the saints, to the brethren, your fellow brothers and sisters. God is calling some of you to go to a different place, maybe a city in America, a country in Asia or Africa, to serve as a missionary, church planter, making disciples, maybe teaching a Bible school, setting up an English center, teaching people to read. Some of you may be called to take your business skills, that you have and go to a different country, set up your business in a city, make disciples and plant churches. How beautiful are your feet. Some of you are called to be Bible professors, church planters, even preachers. Fulfill your calling. Let us help you get there. Let us help you find your calling and fulfill it. How beautiful are your feet. Well, I'm not adequate. God doesn't, I always heard that. God doesn't call the adequate. He makes them adequate. I can't remember. He, does, he equips. Messed it up. But either way, it's God that does it. The one thing he looks for is availability. Are you available? Some of you are called to stay here and serve in the church. What will you do? Well, I have. I'm, th- I'm glad you asked. I have a card in your Info Central that has a list of things with opportunities where you where God where he can use you, where God can use you. We need people who will serve teaching children in our Sunday school, children's church. We have a good amount of kids in our children's church that we need two children's churches. And so we need teachers in both with their helpers. We need nursery workers who will watch the children both for toddler nursery and infant nursery. Our infant nursery is not, work, is not open right now. So we need help there. We need children and workers to help with Vacation Bible School, Kids Blitz, which are good outreach events to our community. We need youth helpers. All those are tra- these are training up the next generation. We need a bi- adult Bible teachers, small group leaders, teachers of classes for the next Grow and Go classes. 
We need help with the clothing drive. Again, another outreach event. We need evangelists who will go out to the community, who will find unique ways to bring the gospel to the lost. We need prayer warriors. We need leaders like elders, deacons, deaconesses, assistant treasurers, uh, just people who will pray with each other. We need workers who will be on the hospitality team. We need help with the sound, media, and drama teams. We need help with those who are willing to visit the hurting, help the dying, and love the sinner. We need beautiful feet. If you're musically talented, is God calling you to the worship team? Beautiful feet and beautiful voices. How is God leading you to where you can serve? Look at that list. Check it off. Say, this is where I want to serve. Or take it home and pray about it. Say, this is how I want God to use me. How is God leading you to where you can serve? What is God calling you to do? If you're called to serve overseas, let this church be a training ground so we can send you out. If you're called, to call, let this be your place to serve. How can you help a hurting family? What about a benevolent team that will raise money to help those who are struggling, finding people a place to stay or a job to work at or a life to live? Maybe they need life coaching, someone who can be, stand alongside them and show them the wisdom of God. What about a mechanic team who will help with fixing up cars or even getting cars to people? What about a financial team who will help people find a budget or make a budget and make good financial decisions? Because sometimes you just don't know. What about a marriage team who will help with guiding your marriage or even saving your marriage? We We have a need for peacemakers, disciple makers, people who will just love and find unique ways to love. Maybe there's not even on the list. The list isn't finished. Maybe God has given you an idea. How beautiful are your feet. Let his love flow through you. Christ is your priority because he's your Lord. Number three, Christ is your mission. Let's look at verse 18. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out all, all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? Moses, first Moses says, I will provide you to jealousy. I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I've stretched out my hand to a disobedient and contrary people. As Paul looked at his people, he was burdened by the difficulty He was burned by the difficulty of them pursuing something that God was so readily able to give to them. In ministry, there is heartache and difficulty, trust me. As a pastor, there's times when you say, I just want to give up. I want to quit. (laughs) You feel those things. You feel those pressures. You feel that hurt. You can be vulnerable and at times hurt. Ministry can be tired and tiring. Ministry can be messy. But there's tremendous joy in serving and serving God. You see him do amazing things. You see him touch lives. You grow closer to him. There is beauty in seeing God's hand guide you, and an intimacy grows as you walk with him. God knows the heartache of loving. Trust me. He knows the hurt when love is not returned. 
God knows that pain. God has made his message known. The sound has gone out, it says. He sent out the sound of him, but no one hears. No one cares. It falls on deaf ears. But what about his people that he set apart? They too ignored him. So God said, I will make myself known to another. Look, many have found God. Those who didn't even, that he did not even reach out to. People he had not called to be his own because his own did not receive him. God knows the pain of unrequited love. He knows the pain of heartbreak. His people followed other gods and ignored the one who called them out of nothing. Others found him, but does he abandon the one he loves? No. In fact, he holds out his hands to them. To an obstinate and disobedient people, he holds out his hand. He has held out his hands and he says, come back to me. I am still here. I'm still within reach. Don't you see all those who are loving me? He says to his people, won't you come join us all? Number one, God is calling and he will save. God is calling and he will save. God knew the heartbreak of watching his own people fall away. And in ministry, you will have heartbreak. You'll have joy. You'll have wonderful privileges and you'll have hurts too. But God is always walking with you. He, you know, God saw his people. And he saw other nations who did not know him come and find their hope in him. His love cannot be denied, but his love love can also be received. Yes, there may be pain in ministry. There's heartbreak, but there's also great joy. In fact, there's joy in the pain. There's victory in the difficulty. There is victory and joy in the heartbreak because God is with us. And you will find yourself holding out your hand of invitation to a hardened and bitter people saying to them, let me show you a more excellent way. When we read their, their sound has gone throughout all the earth, Paul's quoting Psalm 19, God has never really denied anyone from knowing him. In fact, God is for the whole world. God is for you and me. He has made himself known, but sin hardens the heart. Christ is that sound, by the way. Christ is that word that is going out. God is calling people to say, let me help you. Let me show you a more excellent way. There are Muslims having dreams of Christ. They need someone like Paul in Acts 17 when he saw that statue to an unknown God and say, therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. Let me show you the one you're dreaming about. Let me show you the one who loves you so much. There are children here today who need to see the love of God and the word of God. There are teenagers who are inundated with false teaching in every way possible who need the clear voice of the gospel and the God who loves them. The greatest act we can do is make God's love known and his gospel revealed. If anyone who is lost will hear, I want to say to you, you're lost, but there's a God who loves you. And he says, I'm here to find you. You're a sinner, but God is here to forgive you. You're dying, but God is the one who will bring and give you life. There's too much doubt, too much unbelief. Do not let the enemy cloud your thinking and hinder what God has so richly, who, who, God who so richly wants to give to you and bless you. Paul wrote in Galatians, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to the household of faith. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Keep loving. Jesus said in Matthew 25, Then the king says to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. When you have righteousness and love of God flowing through, you can't help but say, how can I bless someone today? Inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to Christ. God is calling you. Will you serve? You're free to love, free to serve, because Christ is Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for the love you've given, for the power of your name. Let your name and your word be in our heart and mind.